Jesus Christ, look at your microphone. I know. It's fucking beat up. It's like Gigi Allen came into our house in the middle of the night oh, and Jesus. just started abusing our microphones. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I have to look around for like little flicks of poop in there now. No. Jesus. Don't, don't what, say that. Don't, well, what, what happened to it? It'd be like some fucking wicked Santa Claus, except it's Gigi <laughs> Allen busting into your house and fucking like hitting himself in the face with our microphones and getting poop everywhere. Oh my God. Imagine if Gigi Allen had his own podcast. Oh God. What would he even talk about? That's, that's gross. I don't know. He'd probably just talk about his dick or something. I mean, he likes to drink pee and he poops everywhere and uh, he talks about Pretty horrific stuff. I kind of feel like it would just be like 4chan the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gigi Allen's podcast be right up there with, with Rogan's. I think it's probably better that he died when he did. <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to think about, oh, God, if Gigi Allen were still alive now. Yeah, how old would he be? He even be? Fuck. Like, I don't know. He'd be like around like my parents' age. Like uh, almost 60. Yeah. Something like that. God, old Gigi Allen with his fucking nutsack just hanging down to his uh, knees. God. <laughs> with his cane pointing at, bite it, you scum. Hello, my name is Sabrina, and the following co-host contains violence, graphic language, gratuitous nudity, drug use, and scenes that some viewers may find disturbing, morally reprehensible, and grounds for excommunication. Viewer discretion is advised. My name is Matt, and this product is plant-based, fortified, paraben-free, grass-fed, and organic. Consult your doctor of pregnant or breastfeeding. And this is... Sumo Punks! <laughs> yeah! So, in this episode, we got to sit down with the one, the only... Scott Findlay of Behind the... No, not Behind the Doyo. What is Inside it? Inside the Doyo. Inside the Doyo. And World of Sumo. <laughs> and, and World of Sumo. He's got, like a, he's got like a whole gang. He's Listen, got like a whole network. Okay, this dude's got his fingers in so many sumo pies that it's hard to remember all of them. <laughs> so, But before we get into the interview, let's go ahead and have Matt give you the info on the upcoming events. All right, so February the 11th, the Mighty Eagle Team Tournament hosted by Mighty Eagle Sumo Club in San Antonio, Texas. Three-on-three -three teams, club versus club, or get together two of your friends to join and form your own sumo team. Yeah. February 25th, the SoCal Sumo Open hosted by Hono Sumo in San Diego, California. Adults, kids, and teams divisions. Mm -hmm. March 11th. The 2023 U.S. National Sumo Championships. Mm. This is the qualifier for the 2023 World Championships in Japan and the World Combat Games in Riyadh. Yeah. March 25th, the Kuma Sumo Bash, hold oh. hosted by Antioch Sumo Bears of Antioch High School. Junior men's and women's divisions, ages 13 to 18, along with a demonstration and instruction at Antioch High School and Antioch, Tennessee. 
If you want to track upcoming events all in one convenient place, Kellyanne Ball of Yamamoto Sumo Dojo in LA has created a website just for that. It's sumo411.com. Check it out. All of the events that we talk about are all found on that website. Yeah, it's going to be really convenient to have them all in one place. Hell too. yeah. <laughs> all right. Here is Scott Fidley. God, look at who we have here. It is Scott <laughs> Finley himself. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm fangirling. I can't help it. I'm, oh, I'm hot and sweaty now. Scott Finley, whom you may have seen on the YouTubes. Yeah, World of Sumo. And uh, what's your, what's your other, because uh, I know that you kind of divided up uh, your show. So there's World of Sumo. Uh, and then I have the podcast Inside the Doyo with yeah. my co-host John yes. Trail, which... The podcast was just doing fantastic, so we decided to delete it from World of Sumo and give it its own channel. So that started uh, once again baby steps, but but I we're having a lot of fun doing that. It's just just finding the time scheduling. Do you know what I mean? John's a very a very busy man. I'm still convinced he's playing five different characters and just pretends to be one. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I don't know how he does what he does, but there you go. But I got the podcast running the platform, the YouTube, all the editing, producing being sociable, involved in all sorts. I absolutely love it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Your fingers in many pies. So uh, what's it like working with John Trail? We've seen him on um, on Facebook and, you know, uh, all over the place. So how did you end up hooking up with that guy? Uh, John's just a very cut and dry, very straight to the point guy. And see, if you don't know him, you would probably get offended quite easily for him or you would think that he's saying something and he's not. Nine times out of ten, he's trying to help people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so he, he's very misunderstood when you don't know him, but you wouldn't meet a nicer, more down-to-earth, funny guy who's just trying to boost sumo, not only in Australia, but around the world. And I met him literally getting into arguments with him online on social on social media sumo platforms we didn't go off to a good start and we would argue all the time about sumo and then that developed into a friendship where we kind of enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of thing <laughs> Ooh, now i need <laughs> to know, know who the enemy is <laughs> I, it was just it was just certain it was just certain, like maybe uneducated comments going about mm. online, maybe some viciousness, some things where we would jointly be trying to help somebody and it wouldn't turn out well. And it kind of just brought us together that way. And then the more we talked, the more we got to know each other, the friendlier we became. Scots and Australians get on really well. So they do, like Scottish folk and Australians, we click. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't that oh, hard. Yeah. But John's a legend, man. John is a legend, man. He's over 30 years in amateur sumo. He's been all over the world where he's the president of the Australian Sumo Federation, oh, president of the, of the Oceania Sumo Union. He's the vice president of the International Sumo Federation. He knows everybody. Everybody knows him. He's an absolute legend. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, and more people should know that. And, and obviously, his most important role in life is being a good friend of mine. 
Oh, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe we should try to get him on the show too. Pick yeah. his brain about international he's, amateur sumo. He's really, really cool because I talked to him on, you know, Facebook, you know, and we're yeah. in a lot of the same Facebook groups. And so, like, and I have seen him just help, you know, trying to help people. And like, I don't think he's snarky personally, you know. I, mean, I feel like he maybe has the same problem I do, where like when people first meet me and they've told this to my face before, they think I'm a huge bitch, but then they say once they get to know me, I'm just the sweetest person. <laughs> I see. I John John can definitely give that impression, but you need to remember, Stephen. Somebody has been explaining the same thing for thirty years. No, I mean, there is only so much patience any human's got. So we'll put it this way. This is the last thing I'll say about how awesome John is, right? <laughs> Kanishki said that he can name people outside of Japan who know sumo the way somebody inside the sumo world would know it. He says he could name people outside of that in less than one hand. And John Trail takes one of the fingers on his hand. So, I mean, if that's not up there... When you've got a legendary Ozeki and a legend the world over saying that you are one of less than five people who he would consider knowledgeable, properly knowledgeable in sumo. No, I mean, and and I'll leave it at that with John. Hell yes. So you've actually, you started out mostly doing content that related to the pro sumo side of things. You have some of the most informative content out there. Um, in my opinion, at least, but I'm sure a lot of other people's opinions. But you have actually started delving a lot more into amateur sumo, international sumo lately. And recently right. you started your own sumo club there in Scotland, yeah. Uh, yeah. Clan Sumo, correct? Yeah. yeah. Correct, so uh... what was it that made you decide it's time for you to, to bring sumo to Scotland? Right. Well, basically, I've always been into sumo wrestling. It's always been a lifelong passion. Um, as I was saying to one of the guys I was talking to the other day, I literally found a workbook from primary two. Um, so year two in school, I think I might have been about six, where I had actually wrote on it that I wanted to be a sumo wrestler so I could belly bounce people. Aww. And the teacher had crossed out where I'd wrote belly and wrote under its stomach. And it always annoyed me that she crossed out belly for stomach. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Sumo's definitely a lifelong passion. And the reason I bring up one of my earliest things is because that has been how it's been so easily for me, easy for me to find the drive to do all of this. Do you know what I mean? Because it's been a passion from I was a small child. But I grew up working, you know what I mean, Scotland. You're in the middle of nowhere. It's not really a thing here. Um, so I, I kind of just faded in and out of it over the years. And see if I'd have known that there was such an amateur scene. See if I'd have known. Guys, I'm telling you, I would be a Yokozuna right now. <laughs> I, would be, I would be a Yokozuna right now. I would be about 400 pound and I would be a Yokozuna right now. If only I would have known more. But sadly, I didn't. So I, I, what happened was I had discovered the online sumo community thinking that I was a wee lonely person in Britain and I was the only like person in Scotland or Britain even into sumo. And then it was about in 2015, I think maybe, a wee bit before that, I discovered there was an online sumo community and I was like, oh, oh my God, my people. There is people, <laughs> people out there as weird as me, yes. So, <laughs> so I joined some groups and stuff like that. And then, I don't know, I just found myself wanting to be a bigger part of it and, and be be more involved and do more and not just kind of be commenting on posts in a group somewhere. I just wanted to add more. 
Do you know what I mean? And it started yeah. off as a, as a Facebook group and I thought, oh, this is fun. I was keeping up with a wee bit of the news and I was just sharing other people's content and things like that. And then it sort of developed into going to Instagram and Twitter. But see, to be honest, I never ran them. See, until maybe the last couple of months, I never ran them a lot. Um, it wasn't something that I really done. It was kind of just so World of Sumo was dotted about. And then my Mongolian friend, uh, I'm going to wreck his name here and he's going to pull me up when he listens to this, <laughs> but his name's Tavshin Gantulga. So he reached out to me and he's like, mate, listen, Hakoho done this documentary in 2017 um, back in Mongolia. Uh, and I, I can translate it into English if you want to do parts up on YouTube. And I was like, all right, right, right why not? Go for it, man. So <gasps> me and him done that and it went down really well. And we were just doing that for a bit of fun. And then that's when I thought to myself, maybe I could do this YouTube thing. But I definitely had reservations with the Scottish accent and, and just me. Do you know what I mean? I'm like a big ghost sitting in this camera in front of you guys now with my big harsh accent. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I'm so not the guy in front of the camera or on the camera or doing audio. So that's how it was just translations. And then it sort of developed for there where uh, it was John Trail, again, the genius that is John reached, uh, he says to me, I don't know why you don't do some news on your channel. Somebody needs to compete a wee bit with Chris Gould and people like this. Yeah. And the reason being, and, I, and I'll say this um, on air because I, I don't actually care. Uh, Chris Gould is the reason for the sumo news because he was seeing so many inaccurate things that were being picked up. And do you know what? See, us as English speakers, we could maybe understand when he was being snarky or condescending or he was being sarcastic or he was talking about something. But I'll give you a video for an example, right? When Hakoho had his last bout with Terran Fuji, mm -hmm. after that happened, Chris Gould done a video about it. Now, Chris had done a video, or Chris Sumo, for those that didn't know he was Chris Gould, but Chris Sumo. So he done a video and he was basically talking about what, Hakoho was saying inside his own mind. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> he was taking it upon himself to imagine what Hakoho might have said in some sort of poetic way to this young upstart or whatever. But a lot of people who are foreign whose English isn't their first language didn't realise that that's what he was doing. So they took that as that is something that Hakoho had been saying about um, taking the Fuji. And there was this whole thing. And that's just one example of many things. Because yeah. take nothing away from him. I have been wondering about that. Aye, yeah. Take nothing away from him. He's a great source for news. He does great translations. And he does keep people up to date. So I take nothing away from him. But when you're, you've got like 40, 50, 60,000 followers and you're getting them wrong information, and nor are you when you realise they're picking it up wrong or correcting it, that's when it becomes so, that's how just basically for a wee bit of a news that we knew we weren't going to kind of add our own stuff into or you know, anything like yeah. that. And, and it started, it started off like that. And then, and that's how even Mika, uh, Mika Grimmer, who she does the commentating and she hosts videos for me and that, she started doing the news because I just didn't want my Scottish accent out there. Oh, I mean? oh. I everybody loves your accent, by the way. The Americans <laughs> absolutely yeah, love the accent. We, we the Dallas Sumo Club, you know, before we, uh, before I left the convention, I was like, yeah, I'm good to interview Scott Finley. And everyone's like, oh my God. You're basically <laughs> the sexiest sumo commentator in the world, according <laughs> to Americans, specifically because of the accent. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, listen, I'll take what I can get.
<laughs> you know what I mean? I'll take what I can get. Much appreciated. I much appreciated. But that is how Mika, she was doing it to begin with. She was hosting. She hosted the first few news and then she was busy. And news came out. And at the time, we were getting a couple of hundred views, maybe. So I wanted, didn't want to miss any. So I was like, right, I'll get this out there. So I done a news video and it was the worst news views that we had. And hundreds of people were commenting that they couldn't understand me and kind of slow down and all of these things. And I was like, oh no, I'm ruining it, Mika. I'm ruining it. But after a wee while, I sort of found my stride. What I, what I done was I stopped caring what I thought people might be thinking because I realized, see in real life, this is what my missy says to me, like, I don't care what anybody thinks or anybody says, and I'm always the loudest person in the room. And so, I had this block that I didn't realise I was blocking my... And I was like, no, I'll let that go. And then that's when I started coming out and screaming down the microphone and shouting about things and giving examples and where that's where everything came from. Like, eh, like, subscribe, hit that bell. Oh, what an agony! Oh, no, I mean, because I, like, I would shout that at my wains when I do that to them on the couch because I'm the hackle hole in my house, make no mistake. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm the dominant dominant rikshi in my household right make no mistake about that and if any of my kids are listening to this anytime anytime guys they know but they know my kids know <laughs> so i that's it guys i've all for there i have great fun with it. we're doing extra news now and i had added some videos in between that like i do a rise and fall um series with guys who have had like a really tough exit so yeah. Asashoru, and I've got a couple coming up, like I've done Takanohana, um, Takanoiwa, um, yeah. just guys that have had like a tough, controversial exit. We're doing legend videos now, even though it's only one of them's out. So we've done Akebono's first, um, got his out. But I'm always I'm always venturing into other things, and I'm always trying to reach out. Like I've, I've got three small channels now where I kind of put my translations separate for the news and the other things I was doing, and... Then I, and I obviously another channel for the the podcast and also hunters hunters to remember and I I've just rabbit on and on about it all day if if MD would let me do you know what I mean? <laughs> One of the other things I did want to ask you about regarding the content that you do produce is these big names that you have been able to uh, have on your on your shows and stuff like Katrina Watts and Konishki and. Uh, Let's start with Katrina Watts because yeah, I think the love was... in my life. Yeah, <laughs> she's the love of my life. She knows. I've told her this. My my own missus knows that Katrina Watts is the love of my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have known Katrina. Well, I've God, I've known of Katrina for years and years and years. But again, through the legend that is John Trail, I met Katrina Watts um, to get her on and pack her brain just because we wanted some interesting guests who speak English and have been involved in the sumo world in such a deep level that they will be able to bring something to the table that nobody else could. Do you know what I mean? And Katrina yeah. had never really sat down for a podcast in that way. And so we ended up sitting there for hours and it was literally over just talking in that couple of hours time and then exchanging a few emails that I realized that I was born about 30 years too late because I was supposed to have married this woman. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? But there you go. You have to let it go. But I jokes aside, such an interesting lady knows and remembers so much, so many small details and, 
and talk about people who who have who have had experiences with interesting people, the stories that she can bring to the table, it's just ridiculous. And this is it's actually something I'll give you guys a wee inside scoop here. Katrina has actually got a wee plan in future to come back on with me and John, not really for a podcast, but to literally give our whole life, get our whole life on audio about you know, our whole sumo adventure, everything that she can oh, remember and we're oh, going to put it into a, a, some sort of format that can be entertaining for everybody because see that woman, that woman is just another living legend. Um, and I I was in awe by her, just by our, not even just her wit and intelligence, but just by the experiences she had had and, and it commands respect. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. She's just, you, you look at her now and you think, oh, it's just a nice wee old lady. But no, man, she's just, it's just this this wee old legend. This, Do you know she, what I mean? She knows. She's yeah, lived she, it. She like, I, knows. Yeah, she's she's actually a commentator, been a commentator in Japan um, uh, for Pro Sumo. And she's right. got like all of these other credentials and stuff. Um, um, well, I'm definitely not the best guy to, to list off everything she has done, but I can definitely give you a bullet point of the highlights. She's been in Japan for years and years and years now. She has been a color commentator for NHK. She has been an advisor and translator for NHK, for instance. Um, in my own podcast, Inside the Doyo, when we had her on, she was telling stories about how when uh, Gagamaru and Tochi Notion first ever came to Japan, they got stuck at the airport and she had to go and save them. Oh, um, because <laughs> I think she, I heard about that. She spoke uh, Russian and Gagamaru spoke Russian and they didn't speak Japanese, so it ended up she got on the phone to them to find out where they were in the airport and, and things like that, do you know what I mean? So obviously... Um, that's how they two sort of loved her from then on and she would speak to uh, Kokai and he was the first Georgian they spoke to she spoke to him in Russian and uh, people thought that she was his mum <laughs> for Kokai's mum especially the first six Mongolians it was some or I don't know if it was the first six but there was definite Mongolians anyway I digress and sidetrack again <laughs> <laughs> but right now Katrina I'm sure is a director for the International Sumo Federation. I knew she she's, had something to do with that, yeah. She's definitely got, got a big role in it, and she's had a big role in, in many different aspects, say amateur sumo and professional sumo, for over maybe three or four decades now. She recently, um, she was having some um, health issues a few years ago, and so stepped down as president of the Australian Sumo Federation and a president of Oceania, uh, sumo Union, and that's when the mantle went to John Trail, mm. um, because obviously they two are close, close friends. Um, that's why she's managed to build so many connections and all in the sumo world and make so many friends because of all the, the aspects and the jobs she done. I think she started out years ago as well. She would go with her friends who were... Uh, basically, it was like she would call herself the odd bunch because obviously it was all Japanese people and she was this white woman with this huge long ponytail. It was like a metre and a half long and Damn. she had a, a friend who was really tall, I think she said. So they would go to hairs all the time and, and the courtesy in a hair is you bring food. When you go to watch practice, you bring food, you bring treats. So she would always bake and they would always make food and bring them. So when they, they would then go and see Sumo, some of the sumo wrestlers would recognize them. Um, so, for instance, she, and I think this is the first six Mongolians that were there, because there's actually a photo of her with them all 
as we 70 kilo skinny lads in their wee robes. But, um, <laughs> she helped them out and would talk to them and that. And I'm sure it was when they were doing their my Zumo, a couple of them were waving at her. And like they're trying to tell them, don't don't do that because they are on the doyo <laughs> doing their Maizumo entrance and they're waving to Katrina in the crowd and that's something that obviously <laughs> any listeners of this can just go back and check my podcast out and they'll be able to hear these stories themselves yeah and they'll be able to come back in your comment section and tell me how terrible my memory is <laughs> I'm probably way off but I mean. I remember um, during the World Games when she was doing the uh, the commentating and stuff for that. Get off the do-yo! Yes. Get <laughs> off the do-yo! Legendary, absolutely legendary. I love that woman. But a lot of people who didn't know who she was and didn't know her history with sumo were like, oh, who is this bitch who thinks she can like tell people what to do? And it was right. just like, like, it's like, you respect, you respect this woman, okay? <laughs> I, I was personally offended at that. I yeah. was personally like, I felt, I felt like they were saying it personally to me. Like, see, we don't know who Katrina Watts is. I would really consider looking her up a wee bit. Like, this is a legendary woman that's been involved in the sumo world for, for over four decades now. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Straight through the eighties to now, it, just just a legendary, legendary woman. Um, and the the the, the friends she's got and. I mean, she, do you know, forget about even the people she knows in the friends. You want to see the, the sumo memorabilia she's got for over the years as well. Oh. See some of the stuff she was showing me. Just unbelievable, man. And that's just years of her collecting things and all that. But jumping back to the World Games for a second, those people yeah. were very, very disrespectful and definitely jumped the gun a wee bit too quick. So they did. And I'm just glad that she didn't see half the, the hangwees. Plus, I honestly think she would have zero Fs to give anyway. Do you yeah. know what I mean? She's there to do a job and does her job right, so that's all she cares about. Yeah, doing the right job. And Get I, off the do <laughs> I, I I love that. And see, like whenever that had happened um, before the World Games, we had listened to, and honestly, the episodes that you had with Katrina Watson, I listened to like religiously like i would listen to them like while i was in the shower while i was doing dishes yeah. while i was on my walk i was just like she's so freaking cool and just like all of her stories i, I love the story she had about uda um like yeah. whenever she was his translator and like his, his little Aye. his little lisp i was like he's so much more Aye. adorable i just want to pinch his cheeks though but um Aye. but after hearing all of those uh you know her stories and you know like what she brings to the table and then seeing her at the world games i was like sabrina that's katrina watts that's katrina watts <laughs> But here, do you know what I was just sitting thinking about there as we were talking? I only half answered your question back when you, because you actually had asked me how Clan Sumo came about in, in like Sumo in Scotland. And I literally just told you why why I was a lifelong fan. I don't think that I actually answered your question because I think we just got to gibbering that much in each other's <laughs> ear that, that we went away sidewinding. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I can like I can finish off answering that and sure, yeah. you know what I mean. You can I so I found the online community. Um, I I actually sent an email to the International Sumo Federation and asked them about sumo and like how I go about it in Scotland and that. And they told me that Steve Pateman was who dealt with sumo in the UK and to reach out to him. Steve Pateman being British Sumo Federation president. Um, so I had put online, like, how do I go about reaching out to people involved in British Sumo and stuff like that? And it was one of my dearest friends in the world now, Adam Lloyd, who this is my first ever interaction with him, is 
He commented back and says, here's Steve Pateman's number. Reach out to him if you're serious, blah, 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 blah. And I swear to God, Adam commented me back. Me and Adam swapped numbers about two days later, and we have literally talked nearly every day for the last four years since. Such good friends now. That is a legendary guy whose brain you'd want to pick sometime if you want to talk amateur sumo and technique and skill and all of that. That guy's just a wellness. That's the thing about me and all, and I don't want to sidetrack for I forget what I'm talking about again like I like to do. But that's where I've been really lucky with what I'm doing with sumo. I'm always managed to have surrounded myself with like-minded people who are very skilled in their specialities or they bring a lot to the table. And also, um, it, it's not always it's not always just me. I've had, I've had a lot of help, so it's definitely not a one-man show or anything like that, do you know what I mean? Um, but with Clan Sumo, I reached out to Steve Pateman. He says, come on down. Um, I had to wait till I had the money because I had to get like a, a seven-hour train, four-hour bus and all of that to get down to him and um, done that, went down at six, I was 69 kilo when I started doing sumo wrestling and I went down there and I get flapped about like an old blanket in the rain. <laughs> um, and I just, I got a mawashi off him and that and I just came up the road and I couldn't move properly for a week. I remember two days later, I was on my knees in the kitchen and I couldn't get up. I like could not get up. I couldn't oh. stand. So I was just there and my missus was laughing too much to help me. <laughs> that was like Crazy. Matt after his first Keiko, and I was the one laughing at him. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a um, I had a couple of a couple of trainings or Keikos, and um, then COVID hit, and then Adam Lloyd, who is vice president of British Sumo, by the way, and he's the um, he runs Doncaster Sumo Club, but he actually saved me by being online with me three times a week on Zoom, doing classes with me, helped me train, go over technique, doing all of that and prepared me. He prepared workout plans and totally helped me with eating and stuff like that. And I went back down about a year later when the COVID restrictions died down um, from 69 kilo to 96 kilo. Awesome. So I went down there, I went down there packing and nobody get through about like a wet blanket that day, I'll tell you that, <laughs> not me anyway. So... So that that was that, and then and then the rest was I kept training. I came, um, I won the minus eighty five novice because Steve asked me to drop down weight to the minus eighty five because at the time Adam was over minus eighty five and he had no other person at that category, so he asked me to drop and I did. So I won the novice minus eighty five. Then I came second in the novice open. Then uh um won the minus eighty five, the actual minus eighty five, and I came fourth in the actual home so i done all right in my first year of sumo and the bug had bit me where i was never going to not do amateur sumo after that do you know what i mean i'd found that my lanky yeah. arms and my ginormous hands really really helped me with a like i'll grab your belt before you'll get me and yeah. then once i've got you i've got you do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. so so i done that and then it, as much as i loved going down and training going to england all the time is hard I managed to get my best friend in the world, Ross Morin, who is the uh, the guy who went to Switzerland with me. Um, he's the other guy who went to Switzerland, Ross Morin, Momo for short. He's my lifelong best mate. I, I convinced him to try sumo out. He doesn't like watching it, but he loves grappling. So he was writing about it. So he drives, so me and him would drive up and down together and we would have for petrol and things that made it a wee bit easier. A few years later and a couple of titles later, I, de I decided that maybe I was ready that I could start passing on some knowledge. Um, and I wanted something up here 
for Scottish people, so it didn't need to be half a day's trip to do an hour and a half training. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started Clan Sumo, um, and it started off with me and Momo in my living room with two weightlifting belts. Oh, and then, we had, then we had one Mawashi in a weightlifting belt, and I had trained my my daughter and my two sons in sumo because oh, you know awesome. I, I wanted to prove how dominant I was against them in the house. <laughs> um, and I, and then and then it went for there, and then it kind of we got a guy reaching out. Is another guy Scott Hendry that's in the team. He reached out, and then for there. We've had a couple of more people coming. I've got like 10 people in the club now. I've got oh, more guys that want to come out in January to try it out. We're taking a wee break over winter, so I'm no teaching. The only things we are doing is sparring sessions. It's basically if you know what you're doing, come. If you don't, you can't come sort of thing. Yeah. So it's like private sparring sessions where it's just me and the boys basically knocking the hell out of each other. <laughs> but I don't, because obviously I coach now, so I, a lot of it I'm running about making sure everybody's doing things right and, you know, all of these and what, what we're going over that day. So, and it developed for there. And, and I hope it keeps developing and we've got our wee logo. And as you guys must have known, I have... I have said it's happening. The first ever Scottish sumo open. Everybody's going to get invites. And guys, this isn't just going to be like a wee doyo in a place. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking, I'm going to, obviously I'm going to have it in a big gymnasium, but we're going to have prizes, trophies, medals, entertainment. I'm going to have pipers, drummers, (gasps) dancers. I'm having an after party the next night. We're giving out plaques and awards for special prizes. All of that is happening. Trust me, like, I'm going to pull out all the stops and it's only going to get bigger for there. That is oh that. You can, we have you to can go. take that to the bank. Uh, we're we going to get our passports now. Have you pinned out a date for it yet? 5th of August, 2023. 5th of uh, August, 2023. <laughs> awesome. I can't fucking wait. I know. It's going to be fucking cool. <laughs> Trust me, it's going to be amazing. Trust me. So Clan Sumo actually had a, a pretty big presence at the recent Swiss Sumo Open. I know you were yeah. there. You had brought the kids with you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, all in, there was five, two adults and three of the kids. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that was notable about that, one of the American guys, one of the U.S. guys, Edobo Konieha, um, mm-hmm. Which he was actually wrestling for Hungary because of... Um, well, that's where he's, where he's well, born. Well, yeah, yeah. Aye. Because of some, like, what was it, like, visa issues or something? That, yeah, that's where he lives. He has a Hungarian visa instead of an American visa. We still consider him to be one of us. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, like, I would say he's probably the best amateur sumo wrestler in the U.S. right now. And you actually mm. beat him. Mm-hmm. You actually beat Edobo. So mm. what was it like wrestling him specifically? And what was it like participating in the Swiss Sumo Open in general? Well, um, first I'll start with Edobo. Um, lovely guy. Lovely oh, guy. Oh, yeah. him, him and Eric uh, for Rising love Sumo Eric. down there. Love. The, the two of them are walking about with the mean mug on, with the earphones in and you no know, concentrating and you could easily get the wrong idea, but they were just in the zone, and, and I knew that. I could see the minute they had no longer to fight. Nicest guys in the world. Oh, Chatty yeah. and smiley, do you know what I mean? Lovely guys, lovely yeah. guys. Can't wait to invite them to the Scottish Open. But uh, <clears throat> do you know something? I, I've always been quite confident in my, my technique and my skill. See, if you watch the videos, I'm not big on the tachi. I'm quite good at catching people. So I, I was quite confident. 
so and it was actually uh, later on after I, I had uh, had beat him and it had happened that I'd spoke to my missus and she had said how somebody in the chat had said that they were surprised how I had beat Edibor. And and I and I can get the surprise. Maybe pe- nobody had really seen me wrestle or that, but ah, I, I I knew I was going to win. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I I didn't doubt myself for a second. And seeing every single one of my bouts, I was in complete control the whole time. I had no, and this is taking nothing away for the guys I was fighting. All amazing guys. Everybody was everybody was tough as hell and lovely people. And I take nothing away for anybody, right? But but I also work hard on my sumo. Do you know what I mean? I oh, train oh, yeah. hard. I train people. So I, I'm allowed to be confident in my yeah. ability. And if I get my ass handy to me, I get my ass handy to me. That's okay. Because you learn from it. Losing is the best learning experience. Exactly. So um, I was quite I was quite confident um, the whole time. And I realized, and, and I still do now, I'm kicking myself for... When I was I was fighting, I think um, his name's Oscar for NYC Sumo. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, Oscar Dolan. And I, was, and I was taking him back, and I stupidly threw my leg out in front of me. He, he step out, and I just see watching oh. that video back. I just want to put my head through a concrete wall. But oh. what are you doing, Scott? And see, the only thing that I can think that I was doing, other than stupidity, of course was um, that usually when I'm wrestling the kids or something like that, I'll always stick something out, eh, stop us from falling and things like that. And so I just keep telling myself that to make myself feel better. It was autopilot, Scott. It was just an autopilot leg. It just went out there. You were in no control. It's okay, because I don't do, I know what I mean? I'm, I'm a terrible loser. Oh. <laughs> I'm a terrible loser, do you know what I mean? And I hated it. And my, my biggest disappointment of that day wasn't losing. It was not getting to fight Trent Sable. Oh, oh I yeah. was quite disappointed in that. Do you know what I mean? Because I absolutely knew I was going to destroy him. <laughs> and, and so I just, I was just gutted about that. But it, I, I back to Edibor for a second. Edibor is so, so strong. That Deceptively. Un, unbelievable. There's nothing deceptive about that guy. He's a walking Dorito. <laughs> actual triangle he's a triangle on legs there is nothing deceptive about his strength nobody's looking at edibor and saying "Mm, he doesn't look that strong nobody's doing that everybody's looking at that guy saying right "Mm, right chances are he could probably rip part of your neck off with a grip do you know what i mean so and and what, what i had done with him was i basically seen what his game was what he was doing no no fear all in his legs were wide. He had a good low positioning. And I knew that he was going to try and ram me back. So my plan was, is what I always do, is I dive in the middle of their arms and I get my grip. And once I get my grip, I've got a really, really powerful hold. And he felt it. That's when he tried to throw me. But I knew that when he felt my grip, he was going to then try and throw me. And that's what I was expecting. So basically see what I was expecting him to do. That's what he done, and that's why I managed to counter it so effectively and beat him, do you know what I mean? Because obviously sometimes in sumo, you can think somebody's going to do something, and that's not what they do, and yeah. you end up on your ass. But it just so happened that with Edibor, what I thought was going to happen was what happened, and that's how I managed to get him, do you know what I mean? And yeah. yeah. I basically just wanted to rely on my grip. So me personally, for my own fighting experience, I absolutely loved it. It was oh, hell yeah. I love scratching. I'm Scottish, but do you know what I mean? We love to fight. We yeah. Love to <laughs> Everything's a test of strength. It's all it's all good. 
made some really good friends there. Um, I fell in love with the Americans when I was over there because the, we were all standing right next to each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, even it was like one of the, because obviously I was team captain for the Holy Britain when we were over there. So I had all the English guys standing with me, you know, the whole team Britain, the Scottish and English guys together. And the, the Americans were right next to us. And see, every time there was an American and a UK guy fighting each other, and we were two feet from each other's faces screaming and all that stuff. <laughs> Big rowdy guys, big like threatening behavior, but nobody's actually going to do it. We're just egging people on and yeah. stuff, and and I thrive in these sort of environments where everybody's trying to be the most dominant male. Like, <laughs> I love, I love that sort of scenario. But the Americans made me absolutely fall in love with them. Um, all great guys, all lovely people. Uh, just I, I could sit and let I me mean, Trent, big James for NYC, Oscar, you know, yeah. I mean, Eric, Edibor. So, uh, oh, big Goberto and Angel. Oh, yeah. oh my God, see Goberto. Oh, oh I, I love, love those guys so much. So much. <laughs> oh, oh, I love Angel and all. See the two brothers. Oh, I just, I love them so much. And I just, I just really hope that they come to Scotland. Like, I really, really hope that they come when I invite them. Do you know what I mean? I'm just hell yeah. They made me all love them, and I think we had the the Swiss guys there. They were nice, but they couldn't speak any English. So what are you going to do when you can't converse? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um. The, there were some guys from I want to say Mumbai there and all. Um. I had I had done some of these Mawashi, and then I had them all lined up, all the wee Mumbai Mumbai guys and all my guys. I had like a row of like twelve guys to get their Mawashi tied. So every time I was done, I was sweating. I had started off in jeans and a hoodie. And by the time I was finished, I was in nothing but shorts with the sweat pouring out me. Oh, I tried yeah. to tie all these. And then I had Big Deep, Big Man Deep, who won the Open. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I was me, it was fixing his belt behind the scenes all the time. And it was just great fun. I loved the whole thing. My boy, uh, my oldest boy, Leo, he was out and he'd, he'd already stepped out, but he was still wildly swinging his hands. <laughs> and but he'd just, see, any technique I had taught him went right out the window. He was just flailing, he was just fighting for his life by this point. But Big Eric went over to him and Edibor and that, and they were giving them advice and things like that. And do you know what I mean? And just everybody was being nice. And Trent was so lovely to my daughter. And oh. I they just, I, I feel like I did make some actual friendships with some of the guys yeah. when I was over there. Um, and I and I just can't wait to everybody again. I'm going to keep bringing up the Scottish Open because you guys have no idea what I'm going to pull out my ass for this. Oh hell oh, yeah! Man. Some magic. Some, <laughs> and it's, it's going to be great. So so I all, all in all the the Swiss Open it was definitely a good experience and and I enjoyed it. Hell it was yeah. it was tiring and draining trailing my kids about with me and all, but even though they were fighting. And my daughter Paige loved it. She fought a grown woman. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She a grown woman. So, and she's only 12 and 38 kilo. But I mean, see if everybody was the same size, she would whip everybody. She has my best wrestler. You know what I mean? I say this to everybody. She has my best wrestler. It just so happens that yous are all men and three <laughs> times our weight. That's the only reason yous have all got an advantage again. Know what I mean? It's it sounds like you've probably been watching some of the uh, U.S. Sumo Club's live feeds and the videos that they put out and stuff of their mm. trainings. Because from what you were saying, it does sound like you kind of knew what to expect with uh, Edibor and mm. you know had your technique in mind when going up against him. I unfortunately have been working so much. I just found out Clan Sumo existed when the um, like right after the Swiss Sumo Open. Actually, like I did 
didn't even know you guys had a sumo club out there until after the tournament was already done. But uh, do you guys put anything online? I know that's like kind of a controversial thing too, because some clubs don't want others to see their Keikos. They want to mm -hmm. like keep their techniques secret and stuff like that. How do you mm -hmm. feel about that? Um, I, I'm not really too, too but well, for starters, we do have social media and I think you might not have heard there was, for one, we're a really new club, mm -hmm. really, really new. I've literally only just started Clan Simo, like I only just picked the name maybe five months ago, do you know what I mean? And then okay. I, I made that, I, I designed and made the logo, got started getting the team going, things like that. So we are brand new, so it's not really your fault that you haven't heard these either, do you know what oh, I mean? Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I've I had an Instagram, I started an Instagram and a Facebook page. I didn't do much with them, but I have for the last couple of weeks. So literally I've only really been posting and running them for maybe about a month, month and a half now tops. And even for a couple of weeks there, I haven't been able to do much with them. Again, I'm running so many different things. But I we've got Instagram, we've got a Facebook page, and the plan is is to make more videos and more things like that to garner more attention. In regards to training, I don't really mind um, who sees bits of training or who sees some stuff like that. Um, because I would like to think that I've sort of got a mixed game anyway and that, that I train my guys to have a mixed game. Um, if you look at the, some of the, if you go back and look at some of the videos that I, uh, I've been training in, I do a lot of pushing technique. Um, I'm a big fan of the Noida, right to the face. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I'm a big fan of that. And um, so I try and mix it up. Um, and everybody can see everybody. And I think, I think it doesn't matter if somebody knows what you're going to do. If your game is that high level, it won't matter what they do. They won't be able to stop it anyway. Do you know what I mean? They won't be able mm -hmm. to stop it from happening. Um, and and I, and I did do that. I did mentally prepare because I knew how good Edibor was. Like, I knew how good he was. I had heard stuff. He's trying um, to go pro. Yeah, and that's what I was about to jump into there. Um, I actually spoke to Edibor. Now, I can't promise anybody anything. I don't have a key. I don't have connections or anything like that where I can do any big favours. But what I can definitely do is um, I can make sure that a couple of Oyakata have definitely seen him. Oh, and know his name yeah. um, nice. and so I did say that I, and he's already sent me highlight videos and I'm going to speak to him a couple of days in a couple of days and I'm going to send a couple of these videos to a couple of Oyakata that I do talk to just to see if oh, any yeah. what, what they think about him just to see and, and I said this to him I can't promise anything but mm -hmm. if they look at these videos and they like what they see and they want to reach out or they keep you in mind I don't know or if they don't they don't but at least then they've seen you they, they'll, they'll know your name so I can definitely do that mm. and I and I want to help him he had a lot of heart do you know what I mean like yeah. he, he had a lot of heart and obviously I, he fought in a lot of categories I was supposed to do the exact same not a lot of people know this because I didn't mention it because I didn't want to use it as an excuse but um, a couple of years ago I got a, a medical condition where I basically get, I'll not get into too much gruesome detail on your podcast but I got an ingrown hair on my tailbone Oh, that because man. of COVID, I couldn't get it operated on to get it removed. Oh, so man. it turned into something quite it's turned into something quite vicious where I need regular antibiotic treatments and regular things. I have a special pillow that I have to sit on and stuff like that because I can't yeah. sit down yeah. properly. It's um, okay. And we it, love gross stuff. So. And, and, and we know exactly what, what you're dealing with because I had a, a boss at one of my jobs that had that too. And and it, it's, it, it took a, a whole crew of us just to kind of keep his morale and be like, no, dude, it's okay. No, we got you. But Yeah, don't be embarrassed. Uh, it's like yeah, it's, it's the medical, human body is you know. gross to begin with. So it's Especially fun. my human body. <laughs> 
Right, so I had this, and it basically turned into a giant abscess, um, and that is why mm. I had actually been selected to represent Britain and Poland at the European Championships, but I had to pull out because it had flared up to the point where I couldn't get my mawashi on. Oh, um, but with a strong course of antibiotics from the doctor and a plan, I managed to get it to go down for Switzerland. Um, so there, I had managed to go there and compete, but unfortunately, about I think it was my second last bout, um, it just something went wrong, really oh, wrong. No. And again, I don't want to give too much detail on the podcast, but there was explosions and things happened. Oh, and I had to oh, whisper man. into Richard Neal's ear that Richard, I'm not going to be able to enter in any more uh, any more categories, which I was so sad about because I'd flew to Switzerland to fight in just the 85. I was planning and doing every single category except for the heavies because I couldn't enter it. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. And, I, I would like to have think that I would have caused a few upsets in there because I'm used to training with big guys. That's who I trained with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now I train with smaller guys, but that's who I trained with. So I'd like to think that I would have done all right, but we'll never know. Should I could, I would have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We were kind um, of wondering what happened. We figured maybe you just had gotten injured in your last belt, but right. that sucks, dude. I it just, oh, it just, and I just didn't want to make it any worse or cause myself any more problems later on. So. That that's just what it was. Do you know what I mean? Or I would have yeah. been in about. I wasn't going to Switzerland to have like three wee daft scraps. Do you know what I mean? I was going there to like. I wanted concussed. I wanted sore shoulders, <laughs> a couple of broke fingers, twisted ankle. Like, it has to be worth it and count. I had to limp. I didn't limp onto the plane, so it wasn't. It wasn't. A, it was a, wasn't a total success. No, you know I mean, but Clan Sumo done well. I mean, my wee daughter. She she came home with her wee silver that she's all proudy. Aww. My laddie, my laddie took the bronze and the uh, men's minus seventy, and he he get placed the gold in his own category, and he got awesome. the silver and the the under autumn, and I think we got like six medals all in in our first ever nice. outing, So, so only the Americans got more medals than us, and there was more Americans than us, and also. So I was quite chuffed with that fact. Do you know what I mean? I was quite, Hell I was yeah. like, right, no, what, guys, we actually done all right. Like, that's all right. Like, we had no gold medals, but you know what? We we done all right. We done all right. So I, I I was quite happy with the results. I was super proud of everybody. In fact, I'm sure at one point I had to sneak into the wee back bit and shed a wee bit of a tear so that I didn't do it in front of everybody after the kids had went. Because I was just, they'd trained so hard for months. So hard for months. You know what I mean? It was my kids' first time on an airplane and all that, just to go and oh, compete. Wow. It was just a whole big deal to me. We were tired and we were hungry and we were nervous. You know what I mean? And we always felt as if we had to pee, but we didn't need to pee. <laughs> That's mad. I know that He's feeling. like that. <laughs> aye. So, aye. I kind of want to know a little bit more about Clan Sumo, specifically when it first started out and when you first started to get members. What was it like training other people how to do sumo? And how many of them had no experience with sumo before? Um, what sorts of training techniques did you use? How did that all go when you guys were first starting out? Right. Um, well, I, to, to start with, I was quite nervous about training anybody because I felt like a fraud. Oh. Um, because I, I, I just thought that, no, like... What have you done to make you be able to be a coach to other people? Do you know what I mean? Like you need to have achieved something. You can't just you, you can't just do it with nothing. You have to have something. Do you know what I mean? You have to have something, or at least that's what I thought. Do you know what I mean? So uh, that was always something that was in the back of my mind that right, if you're going to teach somebody, 
don't make an ass of it because you have you've not done anything to prove that you're worthy. That's what to me, maybe other people might say, Oh, well, there's a couple of things you've done, you've done all right. But I personally don't think that I've done anything that could say, Oh, I know that's he's he's gonna make a great coach, him. He's gonna be a weight, he's training people, him. Do you know what I mean? I just didn't see that. So I stuck to the basics to begin with. Um, I'd done what I was shown when I went down to Derby with Steve Pateman, what he showed me. First thing you do is teach people how to do a proper touch eye, how to go down in the position properly. You know what I mean? Reminding about elbows together and how useful elbows are in a sumo bout, whether it's being controlling position or keeping the inside position or defence in the inner of your body, things like that. So that is the first thing that I made sure I drilled into people. And I kind of just took it for there. I was like, right, well, right, well, I've done this one thing. Right, so let right, what's next? Right, okay, let's let's do a bit of suriashi and get a bit of feet sliding going, and then we'll move on to a bit of matawari and you know what I mean. And then right, let's get the shiko down, and we'll once you get the shiko going, then do you know what I mean? And then we can put it all together and boom, you have a training session. So, and that was the process. I done it a wee step at a time until I felt better teaching. But again, that's when my good friend Ross came in, who was my best friend that trains with me. I taught him while I was learning, see whatever I was learning. I taught, then taught it to him. So he kind of gave me a wee stepping stone and also, and then and then I managed to kind of translate that through what I had, the mistakes I had made with him and translated that through my next student and then my next student. And I would like to think progressively that my students have progressed faster due to my ability to relay information in a, in a more uh, productive manner to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's badass. Because it, it's like, you know, like with in, in the States, you know, a lot of the sumo clubs that have started out, um, especially like like with Dallas sumo, uh, Corey ended up being trained by Justin Kizzert. And the first time that he did it, he From broke Dark like... Dark Circle in yeah, Austin. Yeah, he yeah. broke like three ribs, I think, yeah. on his first time doing <laughs> sumo. And so um, he, he actually really didn't want to start the club. But then once he did, it just kind of, you know, took off from there. We, we've got people like uh, Colton Runyon, um, who uh, has actually lived lived in Japan and trained with uh, Dayamami and who else did he, do you remember who else he trained with? Uh, oh, Toby Zaru. And, oh, uh, yeah. So he, the guy with the beard? Yeah, yeah. I, I know who you're talking about. And yeah. Tom Zabel from Mighty Eagle as well. Yeah, yeah, Tom Zabel like literally wrote a book, you know, and so he's got uh, Caleb Bacchus is, uh, you know, like trains under him. And so, you know, he Corey had been br had brought in people, you know, just just kind of talking that like had a lot more experience, mm -hmm. training experience. Mm -hmm. And so kind of it's it was almost like we were all learning together, even though he was mm -hmm. running the actual Keiko itself, mm -hmm. like a lot of the techniques and training ideas kind of came from, you know, outside places. So. Uh, a lot of the U.S. sumo clubs are very non-hierarchical, I've noticed. Yeah, just, they just kind of all DIY, train each you other, know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, do you know, I can definitely see that, and I would say that that's something that i definitely done as well because a lot of my training methods came from what I was taught or I would always go to Adam Lloyd uh, for advice, who's the vice president, do you know what I mean? And I've had a lot of outside help as well. Um, luckily, again, through John, John's helped me a lot with stuff. He helped me with my own technique. He was the guy give, giving me advice on what to do with the guys in Switzerland. So some of the stuff that I was doing came straight for John. Do you know what oh, I mean? The well awesome. that is John Trail. And I've had Hoshi Hikari, who's an ex-Judio. Um, oh. he, he's offered and all to give me some advice and stuff like that. And 
Um, he's actually trying to speak to Hakoho for me to get a wee invite for the um, to get a wee Scottish team of kids up to the Hakoho Cup. So I'm hoping oh, that, that happens. Wow. Now that might it might not happen yet, but hopefully we can make it happen. Again, none of these things are guaranteed or promised, but it would be nice if it did. It would be lovely if it if it did come to fruition. Do you know what I mean? So um, I, I can definitely see that where the the non hierarchical oh God, I can't even say that word. Right? <laughs> Time of night it is for me, but. That's what I've definitely tried to do. I've tried to not act like MD's boss. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to like boss people about. I want everybody to feel welcome. And I'm getting more and more people coming, and my, the people coming are really enjoying what I'm what I'm doing and what I'm teaching them. And basically, see if you can hang with. See after a couple of lessons, if you can hang with my guys, then I must be teaching you something, right? Do you know what I mean? Because my guys are decent. So like, if you can come in and I'm what I'm teaching you, and you can step in that dojo and you can hang with my guys who have been with me a couple of years, then that to me is a signal to me that, that I'm, what I'm relaying to them is correct. Because when they first stepped in the door, they were kind of just getting shuffled out the road. So you can see it and all. You can kind of see what you're teaching people and, and what is working. And I, I'm enjoying the journey. I'm enjoying the journey. I'm in my mid-30s now, so I've maybe got another few good years of proper fighting before I'm sort of too weak to take on the younger guys anymore. <laughs> and then I'll be happy just to teach everybody. So I'm just hoping to develop my own sumo and so and develop my teaching ability for sumo by the time that time rolls around so that I can give as much back as I can because that's all I want to do with everything I do, with clan sumo, world of sumo, inside the dojo. Something that you'd asked me earlier on about how I like do all these things with like um the the editing and the finding the time we work, uh, editing, producing stories, all of these things. It's it's not easy. And with you guys being involved in running a sumo platform, you obviously know that. It's definitely not easy. It's very time consuming. Yeah. yeah. I definitely <laughs> have a good team behind me. Um, oh, so yeah. I do, and I get help. Uh, but I'm, I, I just, I'm the sort of person that see when I do something, there is no, I'm not here to take part. I'm here to take over. I'm 110 all the way down the road. That's kind of how we are too. <laughs> I all the way down the road, and my missus is the most amazing woman who has ever been birthed into this world. Because without her, I would be absolutely nothing. Um, I would have built nothing. I would have achieved nothing, and I would have done nothing. Because while I was doing all of this, she was holding everything up. She was holding down the fort. She was wiping snotters off my Wayne's faces while I was running about. Do you know what I mean? And she gave me the time and gives me the time. Um, And that is why recently um, I I now stay at home most of the time and do my work from home. Um, I work from home and I run my platforms from my home office, which I'm sitting in right now, which I cut off off of my my sitting room, my living room. It's just a corner I've took. (laughs) because <laughs> now it's her turn and she's actually training to be a, a nurse um, she's at university oh, nice. training to be a nurse right now so that's why I'm now working from home to give her more time to do that because for years now that woman has supported me in no end and I have managed to build multiple sumo platforms build an amateur sumo career build my own actual work career raise kids, do all of these things and juggle it without falling and breaking my neck do you know what i mean and it's because of her it's not because it might be i might be dedicated and driven but without her strength none of it matters oh that's so awesome to have that that kind of support system especially you know 
sometimes like with some of my family members, uh, they're like, oh, sumo, that's just your hobby. You know, oh, that's just something that you like to do. But it, it really is. It's, it's a passion and it's something right. that's what gets gets me motivated and gets me going. So, right. you know, the fact that, you know, Sabrina, you know, like allows me to do all of this stuff, you know, to, and she does. Allows. The, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes. I'm doing this with you. I know. I know. And, I, and that's what I really like about it, too. So, no, it's, it's that's a damn good feeling and having right. that kind of support system. Them. Yeah, right. 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 absolutely as absolutely as and, and I she I mean she's wearing Clan Simo hoodies and Cher Nivern and first they comment and love my videos and she's been my biggest fan and supporter since the start. So so I as a good feeling, Matt. I can agree with you there. It really is a nice feeling to have such a a huge support because I it's all good having a support system and a and a good group of friends and all of that. But see when you've got that one person who's basically your 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 kindred spirit, your other half. And they're the one propping you up. That that is a big, big game changer in regards to how much oomph you've got to put into something. Do you know what I mean? Especially Hell when yeah. I'm the one doing all the editing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I offered. And it, it, oh, it's not an easy it. task. Uh, it's not an easy task either because that's yeah. I, I know what it's like. I do that for World of Sumo. I edit and produce and write and oh, it's it's no it's not an easy task. But do you know what I'm grateful for? I have developed so many skills. Like I had never used that editing software in my life. Never yeah. in my life until I really, really, really wanted to do this video. And I sat for like four days just messing about with stuff until I taught myself some basics and developed everything for there. You listen to my first video. I think it might have been the rise and fall of Asashoru. I swear to God, 80% of it is straight through Wikipedia. I was, so, <laughs> I was so scared to write my own words that I was like, right, no, but these are the facts. I'm just reading the facts. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, so straight away, straight away, um, you'll hear that I'm like, Asashoru Akinori was born in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. Do you know what I mean? At the start, fear to talk. Whether when I come on and I'm like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge, it's a huge difference as you develop your your talking skills, your your editing skills, all all of the sort of skills that come along with it. It's, it's a fun journey, definitely, as much as as hard work on the flip side. Yeah, I've definitely got that passion for it too. Like he he spends a lot of time actually training sumo and doing sumo and right. going to the practices with the Dallas Sumo Club. I did join the Dallas Sumo Club and then I had some health issues. Not sure where I'm really standing on that now, but I my passion is this podcast, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I still love sumo and this is what I want to do for the worldwide sumo community. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, enough about myself. <laughs> uh, what are the reactions that you get from some people when they find out that you're a sumo wrestler? And how has the public uh, there in Scotland reacted to the presence of Clan Sumo? Uh, that's actually a good, an, an interesting question. Well, <laughs> I can give you one example of reactions. I um, used to be a manager in a dog kennel because that's what I usually do in my real life. Um, is oh, I wow. work with animals and things like that. Um, oh, that's cool. And one day a customer was in and I actually happened to mention that I had just won the uh, minus 85 lightweight British sumo championship. And she didn't hear the minus 85 or the lightweight, but she just heard sumo <laughs> and wondered why I wasn't severely overweight or anything. I mean, like, why are you not? Do you not need to be this size to be a sumo wrestler? And I'm like, right, 
not because I'm not that size and I'm a. <laughs> but I, it's definitely a shock factor. Now, obviously, Matt, you're a big man, so you'll definitely get away with saying you're a sumo wrestler and people are more likely to believe you. Say, oh, well, that's a big dude. He's yeah. probably a sumo wrestler. I probably could be a sumo wrestler. People look at me and see this wee dying half, ghostly oh. white, Scotsman, <laughs> talking in this drawl. Like, right now, I'm speaking slowly and clearly for you guys, you know what I mean? But that's not how we speak to each other. Other Scottish people say to me, why are you speaking all posh? Why are you speaking like that? And I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm trying, man. I'm trying to meet everybody in the middle here. You know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay, okay. Just real quick, real quick. Speak in, like, your regular, like, like go into the grocery store in Scotland kind of speaking voice real quick. I just got to hear it. Yeah, give us an example. All right, maybe it's happening. You get any box of cereal order? <laughs> I don't know what that is. But <laughs> it's great. <laughs> That's awesome. So we say, we just slang words like, uh, like uh, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, don't do that. Watch, watch don't scale that over there. You know what I mean? Things yeah. like that. Just, just wee things like that. And, and I learned quickly to, to change some of what I was saying or nobody was going to get it. Do you know what I mean? It, it sounds like really it just, it requires a little more enunciation. Aye. Everybody I thinks I'm Irish. See people <laughs> that don't hear the accents, they say, are oh, you Irish? And then they'll say to Irish people, are oh, you Scottish? Like, you're getting them backwards, guys. <laughs> getting them backwards. Even I struggle to understand the Irish, do you know what I mean? Really? <laughs> no, no, I was just joking. No, we can understand each other fine. But, um, but yeah, besides that... Um, you you did give us the example of uh, being at the kennel and telling the woman that you were a I, I sumo wrestler. I, so, I sorry there. See the way I get sidetracked all the time. That's fine. Um, so I so that's just one example of the basic reaction because it's me. I think that if I was like three hundred pound and and about four inches taller, I mean I'm six two nearly, so I'm not exactly short. But if I was massive, I think they'd be more in, inclined to believe me. But they, they don't and need some convincing sometimes, you know what I mean? Like a wee picture or a wee something. Uh, so the reaction is surprise, I'd say. Um, shock and surprise. And maybe finds it a wee bit strange because, again, they don't understand it. They see it as big fat guys in diapers or nappies, uh, as we call it, flashing into each other. Or as I wrote in my jotter, as I mentioned at the start of your podcast, what I wrote in my school jotter, that they're belly bouncing in each other. Nobody's belly bouncing anywhere. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. not <laughs> happening. Um, so once once they go over the initial shock and they maybe give me like two or three minutes of their time to explain, they, they come round to it and I explain, you know, the level of amateur, how there's weight classes and the intricacies of the sport and how... I, it's one of the easiest forms of grappling to do, but also one of the roughest on the body and most grueling and, and the hardest training and things like that. So um, the reaction to a clan sumo has been all quite positive, to be honest. It's been it's been quite good. We've been seeing a lot of support and 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 I, I offer anybody that wants to try and maybe slag sumo or try and take the piss a wee bit of that, I always offer that we come try it because everybody's yeah. opinion changes by the end of the class. Exactly. You know I mean? Because it is very grueling on the body. But I've found a lot of support in my family, friends, any community that's known about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's It's been really good. So that that's, it, I, I, I've got nothing really negative to say. Do you know what I mean? Even everybody that has 
had a stereotypical view, has gave me the chance to explain and then came away thinking about it differently. So if I can just do that one person at a time, you know what I mean? Hell yeah. yeah. Do you guys ever do like public demonstrations or anything like that? Oh, well, we're very new. It's very like the the, so the whole scene uh, in Britain in the UK has been very quiet for years now. Do you know what I mean? Ah, uh, okay. There is some is that are definitely trying to make strides to change that. Like, so Scotland, we are obviously part of Britain in the UK, whether some Scottish people would like to differ on that. <laughs> and even yeah. I am one of the Scottish people who think of myself as Scottish before I think of British or anything like that. But I'm part of the British sumo and, and I love my coach, the British president, Steve, and the, my other coach, one of my best friends in the world, Adam Lloyd, do you know what I mean? So I'm, we're definitely part of, part of Britain, but I have plans for Scotland. I have other plans for up here. Um, that I want to do to not only popularise the sport in Scotland, but popularise it in general, give another avenue to people where it is a serious martial art and this is a serious training ground and it's not yes. just like a hobby and a bit of fun because you're into Japanese culture and you want to play it sumo wrestling because that's something that I've noticed and all, that a lot of people project a certain image that, that scares the mindset of a lot of people off in this day and age, if that makes sense. So so some people, they see the spiritual side of sumo, that scares a lot of people away. Mm-hmm. Wearing a mawashi scares a lot of people away. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It, it depends on the aspect. So I've found that there is a, there is a line between having respect for the sport and, and sticking to culture and sticking to the, the some traditions and maybe borderline cosplay. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. You're playing at sumo wrestling now, and you're, but you're kind of making a wee bit of an arse it, so you're projecting the wrong thing and then you're turning, or know what you're doing? You're not just turning cheeks away from the sport. You're proving stereotypes correct and making mm-hmm. them seem like they were right and sinking it even further down, deeper into a hole. And that's something that I would definitely like to try and avoid and hope that with what I've been bringing to the table in regards to my coaching and the image that I'm setting for Clan Sumo so far is definitely projecting that. Um, As far as demonstrations go, it's definitely something that I'm going to do in the near future. I've, Like I say, see with the Scottish Open, I've got things planned like um, crossovers. So I rent my dojo off a, a, a woman who runs a dance studio and she does all sorts of different things. So I want I've already been talking to her about doing collaborative things with like dance and sumo and you know, wee shows and you know, all of these sort of wee things. See that like you guys go down and you do hundreds of talks and all of that. I've seen you guys online doing that. Well, we I definitely want to do these things, but it's very early doors for clan sumo. Um I'm still trying to build the club and see until I've actually built it into this sustainable machine, then I'll start to do these sort of things because the Outside of Japan, America has the biggest sumo scene. So it does come a lot easier for you guys than it does the rest of us. Do you know what I mean? So like with me, unless you go to England, there was nothing up here. Now there is. Do you know what I mean? That's a great thing that now you now there's something for sumo in Scotland where you can go and you don't need to go to another country just to get a taste. Yeah. So that's, oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that's kind of like, you know, some things that, you know, concerns that I've had a little bit as well, um, especially like, okay, so whenever you mention sumo as, you know, a martial art, you know, there are some people around here that are of the, the opinion that it's just a combat sport, not a martial art. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, 
Yeah, see, sumo to me, um, you know, it, it helps build that warrior spirit, you know, and I, I'm Pawnee, you know, I come from a warrior culture, like, you know, that's something that I'm very proud of. And that's something that's, you know, kind of come generation after generation. Well, and, you know, there's not really a whole lot of outlets for Native American warriors these days, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so for me personally, sumo is something that helped me build and, you know, refine that that warrior spirit. And it helped me realize, you know, things that are important, you know, because uh, in Pawnee culture, you know, a warrior provides, a warrior protects, you know, mm. a warrior, uh, you know, helps strengthen his community. And those are, you know, things very important to me. And honestly, sumo has helped me strengthen those things, you know, within my own culture, my own worldview. And, mm -hmm. and to me, that definitely makes it a martial art. You know, yeah. and it, it's those particular aspects. But I think some people, when they say it's not a martial art, I think they mean that it's not like a full on comprehensive fighting system or whatever, you know, but it, it is to me, you know, and, and, you know, putting my body through that type of rigorous training. I mean, I, you know, I'm like, no, to me, this is a martial art. This is, you know, refining my body for combat and it's helping me, you know, refine my, my mind and my, and my soul even, you know, right. so, so that, that's what, you know, sumo, you know, had been to me and that's what it's done for me personally so um when you say it's a martial art like what makes it a martial art you know in your perspective well i say it's a martial art because it definitely is a martial art it was a martial art before any of us were born so who the hell are we to say it's not a martial art you don't know what you're talking about if you say that because if you just take two minutes and google it you will see why i mean a wikipedia page will explain to you why the history that sumo is steeped in alone older than so many other martial arts and combat sports. I mean, it wasn't a combat sport to begin with. That came later. It was a martial art to begin with. It was a grappling martial art to get your mm -hmm. opponent to the ground that was taught to samurai warriors, or it might have been warriors even before samurai time because it was a proper long time ago. Um, I'm not sure exactly about timelines, but I mean, judo and jiu-jitsu were developed from sumo. Think of sumo as your base sauce. Do you know what I mean? Sumo is your base yeah. sauce, and then you can build from there. So it, it, I could sit here and, and give an, an amazing example about your fantastic heritage. Do you know what I mean? Because I just want to say I love that. See all that Native Americans, Indians, historical. I, I love all that stuff, so I do. But that's a whole other conversation. Me and you can get into <laughs> another time, Matt. <laughs> but I could sit here and give that. You know, I'm, I'm from Scotland. Uh, my name's Finlay. My family goes right back to the pits that painted themselves blue, the first oh. people in Scotland. My family goes right back. I come from a family of warriors, clan sumo, a clan, it was warrior clans, family clans, it means kin, fighting for your kin, protecting your kin, all of that stuff. So I could sit here and give you that the same example as you, brother, but we don't even have to explain ourselves like that because this was a martial art before anybody alive that's saying it's not. Nobody can say that. I'm not going to sit there and try and convince them. That's all I've got to say to them, that it was a martial art before you were even born, mate. You don't have an opinion. You can't have an opinion. You can't judge something that's 2,000 years old, that's steeped in tooth, because real sumo's about 100 years old, but sumo now. Yeah. The development of it is, is like tooth going back at least 1,500 years more. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so you can't take something like that and not say that it's a martial art. When that's what it was developed for, it was developed as a defense technique in warfare. You know what I mean? And, and most other arts in that region, like in Japan there and the surroundings, were built and based from that. I think yeah. the old wrestling form that was older in that part of Asia is maybe Shuai Jiao. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is Chinese, uh, basically Chinese sumo. Yeah. I think about it like that. So 
So I, and that would be my only answer to that. And that's what I tell people. It's like if, uh, you know, you see two scantily clad men, you know, throwing each other around. But if you think about the battlefield applications of that, you know, they were trying to take down, you know, heavily clad armored warriors, you know. So, of course, they had to use these, you know, heavy throws, these heavy techniques, you know. And to me, yeah, that to me, that just screams martial art. And so that's I, I have very strong feelings about that. <laughs> right. so. right. It's a martial art and a combat sport. It's just as simple as that, and obviously it's it's a culture. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like it's like a it's like a religion and all. Do you mm. know what I mean? It is a culture. It's a way of life. You know what I mean? Sumo becomes your life, or it, or like you were saying earlier on, it's not just a hobby. For some people, it might just be a hobby, or you might just be a fan. It, this is absolutely not a hobby for me. Same. <laughs> uh, and, and I would be so offended if somebody was trying to pan me off with that. Well. So, um, I think that since we are talking about the traditions of sumo and how that's evolved over the centuries and what it is today, it might be a good time to go ahead and start talking about pro sumo, especially after what happened yesterday, which I don't think anyone could have expected. Have you seen the last day of the Kyushu Basho yet? I, I watch live. I never miss okay. it. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I, I don't miss I don't miss in. See that that comes on like early in the morning where you're at though. So seven till nine right now. It's it's usually well this morning it was half six till nine due to the going half an hour earlier for the yeah, so next like day for you guys. Okay, so spoiler alert to anyone that hadn't seen it. Okay, oh this so, episode's probably not going to be released for but, another like week or two, so see, it's not a spoiler that, by that point. <laughs> see, that, see spoilers. I don't agree with spoilers in sport. Like I really don't agree with it. Like I don't agree that sports. See if it's like your weekly soap opera or TV drama or yeah. Netflix show or whatever, and you don't want people spoiling it, that's fine, right? No worries, spoiler alert. But see if it's sport and news, I don't deal in that. Like, just the night I released a video on Abby um, winning his new show, and, like, I always do a Road to Glory video within yeah. 24 hours. I've done it for the past year for every new show winner. People can check. See the abuse I've took the night? I saw that. <laughs> Rooney, I saw Rooney. that. Ruining people's day and all that. <sighs> Okay, so what are your thoughts on the 2022 Kyushu Basho? How did you perceive the end of this Basho? Because honestly, I didn't even really know at first that Abi was going to be a front runner until like right at the end. That right. was it just came out of nowhere. Right. Well, I mean, to begin with, it was dragging its ass a wee bit, wasn't it? Yeah. Bit, yeah. I, I was waiting on something happening. I was like, right, right. It looks like Hoshoru might have this. It looks like Hoshoru and everybody was looking at Takayasu and Hoshoru. Mm -hmm. And I even said that in my video. Nobody was really keeping an eyeball on Abby. See, personally, I thought Takakesho was coming out of nowhere. He was going to win, beat Abby in that playoff. And then he was going to smash Takayasu, especially after that wee injury that Takayasu seemed to pick up yeah. in his playoff bout against Abby. Um, so I genuinely thought, because see Takakesho, he performs well under pressure. Yeah. So he does. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it did kind of come out of nowhere. I don't think, although he was, he's, he's been chasing at the heels all year, really, except for in two basho, he's been chasing at the heels. He's had a couple of junior show. Um, so nobody expected it, but was a surprise that he managed to do it? Not really. I was over the moon for him. Oh, see when he yeah. done it, I was over the moon for him. A lot of people were pissed. <laughs> They were, and do you know what they were, they, they were pissed about? I think it was because he sort of done that half henka motion 
to Takayasu and then Takayasu got hurt. And do you know, it really kills me. Henk is a shite, right? But they're, they're allowed. You just need to accept it. You need to accept it because it's allowed. See, just, and I know it is shit. Like, it is crap. See, when somebody does it, like, that is bull crap sumo. And I understand that. But it is what it is. See, the only people that shouldn't henka are Sanyaku and Yokozuna, guys. And that's just kind of because they've got a sort of rep to keep. But I would even say Komasubi Sekiwaki can get away with it. It's mm-hmm. more Ozeki and Yokozuna that really shouldn't henka. But they can still can because it's allowed. My friend uh, Sean had been messaging me about the uh, the tournament, and um, he was talking about a lot of people had found Abi to be like their new sumo villain, like you know that like how villainous he is. Ever? I was like, dude, do you think that was villainous of Abi in any way? <laughs> I don't think so. Hey, do I think that? No. See, I I don't, I, I don't either. But listen, this is something else that comes straight through Katrina Watts' lips. You gotta hate somebody. You gotta not like somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you've got to not let and see if everybody not, wants to not like him because he defeated who they love so much and might have not have defeated them in the, the dominant fashion that they wanted to see it in. Listen, if it gives them something to put fire in their bellies for sumo, I say let them hate him. Yeah, that's a good let, let, let them all hate him. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, it's all good for sumo and you always need to have a villain. Yeah. Yeah. So, Makes it a lot more like pro wrestling. I know. Like, <laughs> I, I think my villain's Chia Shoma. And I don't even really like hate him. I just like to give him, just talk shit because he yeah. uh, he just likes to hank us so much. Yeah, such a, like a tricky style, you know. Well, like the hank machine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely in the anti Ryudin crew, but that's mostly <laughs> just because he cheated on his wife. <laughs> I, I hate Oyama's stupid face. <laughs> Oh, I, just, I just hate his stupid, <laughs> stupid, growly face. And, and his I think super he, pink face. I, yes. and, he's a, and he's a cheater and all. Really? He's an absolute cheater because I because he's the only guy that can hold on to the, another uh, another Rikishi's belt and give them two black eyes at the same time. <laughs> and I think it's not fair that other other Sumotori are such a disadvantage. Why is he, why is he like that? And so I, I just hate his, his glummy, growly face. Do you know what I mean? Hey, man, those Bulgarian boobs are deadly uh, weapons. So, so in reality, him and, and uh, Adam Lloyd, uh, Adam always goes on about how much he hates Kagayaki's face. He just hates really? <laughs> just, and there's no reason why. But listen, you've got to dislike somebody because it gives driving. You were saying about like pro wrestling. Pro wrestling even stole that idea for somewhere for the dawn of time of storytelling or rivalries. You have to yes. have you have to have yin and yang because see if you've got ten guys fighting and you're like, oh but I love everybody <laughs> and then you've got two guys who they all have a good time <laughs> against each other. Like you're it's no fun because you're just happy whoever wins. You feel sorry for whoever loses, and that's mm-hmm. it. Every morning, my missus will say to me when I get out of bed to watch some Scott, no shouting in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm, I'm screaming at them to do things, do you know what I mean? And oh, I, we, we do that. We do that too. So, I, it's, just, it's just how it is. You need somebody to hate. You need somebody to have fire against and fire for. That's just how it works. That is the, <clears throat> the rule 101 of watching anything like that, any sort of sport or competitiveness, anything. But I'll tell you this. Do you know who's going to get zero Fs to give while he's lying in bed with his hundred grand prize? <laughs> Abby. 
zero fucks. <laughs> he's no caring about everybody humming and hawing in comment section on Facebook. I'll tell you that right now. He's he's ears deep in a sake bowl. <laughs> he can't even hear because his ears are so full of the weight and wagyu that he's just been handed, or the four barrels of rice, or he's waiting green tea, or or half a room full of beer all the envelopes for these sponsors oh my god oh my god all these fans are annoyed i pulled a half henka and takayasu how am i going to enjoy these steak dinners over this next month <laughs> woe, woe is me woe is me you know what i mean i'm sure he's going to be pure gutted about it, it listen it is what it is it happened Poor Takayasu, that's who we should be talking about right now. Congratulations, Abby. Let's move on to Takayasu here. I, I felt oh. so sorry for him because I just mean, see, after he got injured and, and slapped down, I was just like, oh my God. I, I guess he got a concussion. Like, we just heard that. See, at um, first, I thought that he was so gutted that he that's what I thought. got his slapped up that he just didn't want to lift his head for the ground for a minute. And I understood that because. There's a reason that that seventy percent of the sumo community call him Flapper Yasu now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because because it seems to be that he's pretty much one of the strongest Rikshi on the dojo until it comes game time, mm-hmm. and 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 when it counts is when he drops, and it seems to happen. And you could say, oh well, look back just the, even the past couple of years, that's all that seems to have happened. I think this year alone he's had three junior show, and I'm sure he sat out one of the. Basho, so out of five Basho, he's came second three times and twice lost in a playoff. Mm-hmm. All within just this year. It is a it's a wee shame and a sin for him because I speak to his mum and all, and she's such a lovely woman, and I know her heart must have been breaking the day, no comparing to his. So yeah. even more gutted that he must have injured himself. I don't know if it was a concussion or maybe a neck thing. I've not heard too much yet. The Kyokai released a video not long after the end and he basically gave a wee message to the fans thanking them for their support and saying that he was going to continue his quest for a wee show a wee sausage it's a wee sin for him him. and I'm not even really that much a Takayasu fan he's awesome he's amazing but I don't like He's not one of my go-to guys, but I, damn, that man needs a Yusho. Give that man a Yusho. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Give that man a Yusho. So I just just an absolute sin for him. And again, Takakesho, the only Ozeki showing what an Ozeki's supposed to do. You know what I mean? He doesn't need to be winning all the Yusho because he would be a Yokozuna if that was the case. What's expected to him is to be in the race, be in the playoffs, get double-digit wins. And he's consistently doing that. I used to do a bad day, but you can't say nothing bad against the meatball. Do you know what I mean? You can't yeah. say nothing bad, can't take nothing away from him. Yeah, looks like we're down to only one Ozeki now. Yeah. Uh, Shodai was Kadoban, wasn't able to get enough wins to avoid being demoted. Mitakiyumi wasn't able to get enough wins to get back up to Ozeki. Right. So, right. And then we didn't have uh, Teranofuchi in this Basho either. Mm-hmm. So really, uh, I think a lot of people were probably expecting it to be Takakesho. You know, right. a lot of people were rooting for Takayasu, yeah, but... Most people probably knew in the back of their mind, oh, well, he's like the top Ozeki. It's probably going to be Takakesho. 
You know, and then for Abby to come out of nowhere and fucking <laughs> <laughs> And he did come out of nowhere and it's it's mental that nobody was looking at him because he's been on the heels a few times this year. So it's crazy that nobody was looking at him, myself included. And poor show die, but uh, I mean that's what happens when you when you get Ozeki by pure luck. I, I, think... I, I used to say I so I don't mean to interrupt you there. Oh, no, 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 you're good, you're good. But I used to say, you know what? He's not a great Ozeki, but he made Ozeki, and you can never take that away from him. Yeah. He's, he's, his outings have been so abysmal now at this point that that I just can't even give him that, and I have to say that it must have been luck, and then he's held on to it. What else can... I don't understand how he even managed to hold on to it this long, but I'm glad that he's gone down to Sekiwaki, and I hope that he doesn't get 10 in January because then the pressure's <laughs> off him, and he'll be able to enjoy it a wee bit more. Yeah. I bet he starts doing well again. Because yeah. I feel as if when the pressure's on him like that, that's when he maybe begins to crumble as well. Do you know what I mean? There's very few that can deal with a lot of pressure. Wakataki Kagi's a great guy for pressure. Mm-hmm. He's a great he's a great under pressure guy. Same as Takakesho. Mm-hmm. Nobody is as good under pressure as Hakuho Shoba. Oh, yeah. Nobody yes. will ever do as well under pressure as him. That dude thrives on pressure. <laughs> 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 Yeah, a lot of people were surprised that Shodai was even able to keep Ozeki as long as he did, but I am a huge Shodai fan myself. I admire his ability to keep Ozeki for so long, but even I knew eventually that this was going to happen. Yeah, and and you you make a really valid point about um you know just enjoying you know being where he's at because because uh, I think it really does get to him mentally and on un- un- and honestly I think that was his whole deal with uh, right. flopping as hard as he had was he was just stuck in his own head. Well, as yeah, and and whenever he has interviews, you know, because the JSA coaches people to say certain things in interviews, like oh I'm just doing my style of sumo, yeah. but Shodai would get real candid, you know, and he would tell people it's uh, he goes oh I just kind of I just felt a certain way or oh yeah he's he's a little dour, you know. Yeah, and there's not really like. From what I understand, anyway, I'm not Japanese. I'm not an expert on Japanese culture, but mental health is something that's um, really hard to deal with and like find uh, assistance for. Mm. You know, look at Ichinojo. I mean, and all the things that's been going on with him. Apparently, he has this problem with alcohol, and everybody's like, "Well, is he going to be able to go to rehab or what have you?" But it's just again from my understanding something that maybe in in like u.s culture you'd be like oh well let's you know let's help this guy out let's get him into therapy but it's they don't really have that opportunity it for a lot like, of reasons it seems being like a there's sumo a stigma too being a pro rikshi you're expected to do certain things throughout the year consistently and train all the time so it could just be there's not any room in his schedule for it right. you know well, as far as reports are saying, he's been offered rehab multiple times and he's been offered help. Each he's show. been offered advice. He, he, he went to live in his own because he said it's because he had he lived in cramped conditions in the hair and they gave him his own flat and he went back on the drink. Again, these are all reports that, that I've just reported on. So yeah. there's very conflicting sides of what's been saying. But if they are true, he has been given a lot of opportunity to do something about it and he wanted to drink instead. And if that's true then I feel for him because he's down a very dark hole. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and honestly, I've been in that area too, you know, because like coming from a native background, you know, you always hear that native people have trouble with alcohol and, uh, you know, coming from a different culture and living in American culture, you know, living in two worlds is it's heavy. It's, it's, it's a lot to deal with. So I can imagine coming from, you know, uh, the, no, the step, you know, Japan. being a nomad, you know, in Mongolia mm-hmm. to living in downtown Tokyo. And right. so that's uh, that's got to be you know a bit of a culture shock. Even though he came, well, he came over when he was a teenager. He went to sumo school, I think. I uh, um, same plane as Ted and Fuji. The two of them came over together. But yeah. but still, you know, I mean, um, I I can understand that. But still, even whenever I had my own personal struggles, you know, I still got help. I mean, I hit my own rock bottom for sure. But um, you know, and sumo is what pulled me out of it. Um, but I I'm really hoping, you know, maybe he could just to put it quite bluntly, I hope he pulls his head out of his ass because <laughs> I really do have a soft spot for that big guy, you know. And I really hope that he can uh, start living his amends, you know. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about music. Yeah. What do you say? In the last break, I was trying to ask Matt, what is he into? And he said he, he thought you were into power metal. Is that right? I um, See, it's not really that I'm into in space. I'm into it all. Like, oh, yeah. All, and there's a, a huge variety. A huge variety. I mean, it's not just metal and rock and all that I'm into, but it's definitely, like, I've not got long hair because I'm a happy, put it that way. (laughs) I mean, mean, I'm at a happy. I'm a total dirty pirate happy. I I mean, I totally am, but that isn't the reason. You know what I mean? The the, the long hair is for the metal. Nice. (laughs) Okay. So what, who would you say are some of your favorite metal artists? What are some bands that you're into? Um, well, I always let's see. I'm I'm more oldies than in. I wouldn't be listening to anything made in the last twenty years. <laughs> I wouldn't be listening to anything. good music. Good music died in the mid nineties. Do you know what I mean? It, it died Dude, in the mid nineties. Like, that's 80s one of Matt's favorites. I love Iron Maiden so much. <laughs> I, uh, Iron Maiden is right up there. I like a bit. Of, I mean, I like a bit of Pantera and that. And all it really depends on because I. It's, I'll listen to a lot of music when I'm maybe doing the house and I'm cooking. I find myself listening to a bit of Slipknot, a bit, a bit of everything. Do you know? Do you know what my go-to guilty pleasure is that I absolutely love? Tenacious D. Really? <laughs> I absolutely love Tenacious D. They are just I, I, I can I love love them. They're my cooking and cleaning music. See when I'm cooking or I'm cleaning the house, that is what I put on. I love a bit of Black Sabbath. I enjoy the hell out of Ozzy Osbourne. And oh, fuck yes. his music, do you know what I mean? So it, it really depends, all sorts of things. I don't have specific genres in. It really depends on the artist and, and the music. Do you know what I mean? So I'm very, yeah, open, yeah. I'm very open-minded when it comes to music. I'm kind of the same way when people say that, oh, I listen to everything. A lot of the, the caveat you'll hear in, in the States is, oh, I like everything but rap and country. No, I love rap and country, too. <laughs> like, I, I really do literally love everything. Yeah, we we could definitely give you some recommendations if you're ever looking for, like, new music to check out and oh, stuff. Oh, my God. Have you? Okay. So speaking of um, kind of more of an older style kind of metal band, I would say more, I wouldn't say thrash metal, I'd say speed metal, you know, because they still have like a vocalist that actually sings, you know, and not just a screamer. 
but uh, Solicitor, they're from yes. Washington, uh, Seattle, Washington, and their vocalist, Amy Lee Carlson, has some of like the meanest, like just her voice is like like a Valkyrie or something. I would it's say just... if you're in the Iron Maiden, then you would probably like Solicitor, but she's you... a very good vocalist. Do you guys listen to Thrash Metal? Yeah. Yes. Um, because my, my friend who I worked with in the kennels, she actually owns the kennels. Um, her husband is in a thrash metal band called uh, oh, what, the, what the hell do they call themselves again oh, I hope Kenny doesn't listen to this and gets annoyed that I don't remember his band <laughs> oh no god uh, oh Circle of Tyrants that's what it is Circle of Tyrants Circle um, of Tyrants aye they're a Scottish Whoa. band and they have been floating about in some people's videos in America and that lately he's been messaging me about like people have been talking about me and all that and they seem to be getting a wee bit of traction and I'll let him maybe send you a wee link to them and you can check them out and I see see what you think of them. Just because I'm not into thrash, that's one bit of metal I'm not really into. I'm not into that whole that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't enjoy that. Do you know what I mean? I like actual words and things that what I know. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So and so it, um, on that note, you really would like Solicitor then. Oh, yes, like, yeah, definitely. definitely check that out. And then another one, one of my favorite bands from Scotland that I uh, saw whenever I was a young, young teenager was Oi Polloi. They played in my friend's basement in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And like they had been in a van for, you know, like about a month, you know, and then, you know, there were a bunch of stinky crust punk kids, you know, like in Tulsa. So like that basement just smelled like an armpit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like one of the funnest shows I had ever been to, and then so and, and it was it kind of reminds me because um, whenever they spoke amongst each other, you know, they were just speaking super rapid fire. You couldn't really understand, but when they talked to us, they would slow down. You they know? would speak more posh, as you would put it. <laughs> <laughs> but do you play any music yourself? Have you ever tried to uh, delve into that world? I played a guitar. Oh, play a guitar? Yeah. Yeah, just awesome. a wee bit. Just a wee bit. I played a guitar. I played a wee bit of drums years ago as well, and that. But hey, we I need a drummer. It, How about uh, long distance? You could be the drummer for our band. Uh, <laughs> God, if I can, if I can find the time between trying to sleep and things like that, man. That's I know, right? Always something, always something that I keep saying. I do. I'd love to like play an instrument regularly or something like that. But I just, I just don't seem to be able to give myself the time. See, by the time you're done, like dealing with your house, your three kids, all this crazy sumo things that I do. My actual work, animals, it's 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 mental. And I always say that too. It's funny that you ask me that because I always say to the missus, like, I want to play an instrument. Like, not even to play in a band or For me, I just want to sit myself and just sit and play a wee instrument as a wee side hobby for a wee bit of fun. And I can never find the right amount of time to actually sit and do it. More than five or ten minutes, which you guys know. 10 minutes of guitar, that is not doing anything for the guitar. You need to be sitting there for a couple of hours mm -hmm. at a time, do you know what I mean? And I, so that's sort of my feelings there. So see as soon as I can find the time, it's definitely something that I'm going to do more. It's definitely. Yeah. We can't wait to see what you uh, end up end up coming up with once you've mastered your guitar skills. And I mean, with us? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, or I could just start screaming down a microphone in a Scottish accent. Yeah. I mean, that seems to pass by a lot of things, so I could do that. Well, speaking of that, I think it's uh, time we go ahead and wrap this up. What do you say? Yeah. All but right. Well, 
Scott, thank you so, so much for getting together with us today. We have had an absolute fucking blast. Hell yes. There's just (laughs) one thing that we want to request from you to end this interview. Can you do the Uwatanage for us? (laughs) (laughs) Of course I can. Of course I can. All right. Go ahead. So remember, everybody, tune in to Sumo Punks and Sumo Fans. Remember, remember, like, subscribe, hit that bell. Oh, what a nugget! Yeah! Oh, what a nugget! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Oh, my God, you're just no the sweetest and just the loveliest person. And I don't know what else to say except thank you. We cannot wait to talk to you again. No we cannot wait no to show up in Scotland for the tournament next Aye. August. We're definitely going to try to be there. I was just going to say more details coming out in that soon because I'm trying awesome. to set something up for everybody. Try to set like arrange a cheap deal on hotels or just something to make it a wee bit easier. Like I've already arranged free lifts to and from airports for everybody, so that oh, yes. I don't want to charge MD a penny. I want to try and save everybody money so that these can all come and it's financially doable because I know what it's like. Do you know what I mean? Awesome. So I but thank you guys for having me on. It's been so much fun talking to the two of you. You're such nice people. Oh. You know, I mean? you. you know what I mean? You're so sweet and Matt's so enthusiastic. See, every time I was talking about him, he was nodding there like a wee puppy. Like, Matt, I love it. <laughs> like, look, at, look at how engaged he is in what I'm saying. He's pure listening to me. I'm going to be yam. We'll talk to you later, dude. No worries. See you later, guys. Bye. Man, it's really refreshing to talk to someone who has the same kind of just entirely random thought patterns and processes (laughs) that we do. You know, like, now I don't feel so bad for being so, like, ADHD all the time. (laughs) It's also cool that he's, like, he just has, like, a lot of the same kind of, like, attitude, you know, that we have, especially to amateur sumo and pro sumo. And he's just involved with so many like media so projects much cool shit. i know and he knows so, so many cool much. fucking people man we have to get our passports in order to get out there in august because i'm going to the scottish sumo open oh fuck yes i'm going there's no <laughs> doubt about it and that's part of the reason why we wanted to put out this episode now because it does take a few months if you're in the u.s to get a passport if you don't already have one so if that's something you guys are interested in start working on it right now but we're going to go ahead and close out now. You know where to find us online. Sumo Punk, spell it with an X. We have the Redbubble store. Maybe we'll put some more shit up there <laughs> before the end of the year. Who knows? If you thought this shit was dope AF, <laughs> go ahead and give us a five-star rating. And until next time, bye. bye.